2: Things have gotten more interesting for the Tennessee Titans, and not in a good way. A thirty-six twenty-two loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday tightened the division race up just a little bit. Tennessee could have effectively put the whole thing away, set themselves up to rest players down the stretch, and all they needed to do was beat Jacksonville at home for the ninth straight time. Got off to a good start. The run game, if you'll forgive the pun, got off and, and running in that one. But then Jacksonville strung together 29 straight points, beat the Titans up for a while, and uh, and now two games separate these teams with four to play. Not necessarily as bad as it sounds even, and, and it probably doesn't sound – terrible but it's it's even better than that we will get into that and more on this episode of the believe in titans podcast and we welcome you in to this episode i am david beauclair of all titans at si.com joined as always by former titans cornerback denard walker denard how are you
3: i'm doing great david how you doing
2: doing good good to hear and of course john glennon of all titans at si.com john good day sir I am well. Hope you guys are as well. Doing great. A quick check of the headlines before we get into the meat of this thing. The Titans on Monday released a couple players: outside linebacker Ola Adeniyi, a little bit of a surprise there, and inside linebacker Joe Schobert. So they are uh, they are making moves on the defense, running back, special teamer, return man, Swiss Army knife, whatever you want to call him, Dontrell Hilliard. Is going to miss at least one game, maybe more, because of a neck injury that he sustained against the Jaguars. And uh, and former Titans punter Brett Kern is getting back in the NFL, joining the uh, the best team in the league, the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. So after after about three months of rest and relaxation, uh, Brett Kern is is making a push for the playoffs, perhaps uh, depending on how long they need him. But as we get into this, I want to remind you again that this is the Believe in Titans podcast brought to you, as always, by BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting to props and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's bleav A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, gentlemen, what – uh what should the panic level be for Titans fans after three straight losses, the first three game losing streak for this team since early in the twenty eighteen season and uh and the fact that the division race is a little tighter, and that the injuries seem to keep piling up? Denard Walker, are you particularly worried at this point?
3: Yes. I am worried, but I like to start off and say congratulations to Jacksonville. This is their first win in Nashville since 2013. I find that hard to believe. That's a long time. And I know right now everybody wants to hit the panic button, but again... You think about it, this is the Titans' first time since 2018. They have, what, a three-game losing streak. And what's even amazing, David and John, is they still have a two-game lead in the division. So, I mean, there is some panic and there is some some good out of this. But right now, no, you, you still got a favorable schedule ahead of you. You got the Chargers coming up. So, again, that's not a division game. You got the Texans at 111 that they played you pretty tough the first time in October. Unfortunately, you got to pay the Cowboys. But again, that's a non divisional game. And you finish up again uh, against this Jaguars team in Jacksonville. So again, I like this schedule. I still think the Titans can run the ship. I I still think they have a chance not only of locking up this division, but I still believe in this organization that um, they're going to rise to the occasion, even though right now they're going through a a tough little, uh, I like a a tough period uh, in the season.
2: And John Glennon, you detailed in a story at all titans at SI.com that uh even if things continue on a really bad path for the Titans, it it's gonna take a lot for them to to mess this up. Fill fill us in on the details here. It put put everybody at ease a little bit.
4: Okay. I'll do my best. Well if you if you want to look at the uh the New York times playoff forecaster machine uh, that, that still gives the Titans an 89% chance of winning the division ESPN's uh, you know, football power index. Uh, they say 79% chance Titans are going to win the division. Um, but, but here's, you know, a, a thing. If the Titans had beaten the Jaguars, they could have clinched the division before they played another game. You know, if the Titans had won on Sunday, and if the Colts had lost this coming Saturday, the Titans would be division champs before they played uh, their, their next game. So big missed opportunity uh, there for the Titans. But yeah, if if, uh, if you want to look at a, a worst case scenario for the Titans, if you're really concerned, even if the Titans were to lose their next three games, uh, and even if the Jaguars to were to win their next three games, uh, they're... Assuming the Indianapolis loses one game before the end of the season, which is very likely to happen, the Titans would still, even in that ugly three-loss scenario, the Titans would still go into that season finale having a chance to win the division. They'd be a game back of Jacksonville going into that game. But if they beat the Jaguars, they would win the division based on a tiebreaker of division records. So there is still that to hold in the back pocket uh, if you're a Titans fan and you're fearing the worst. Um, But, yeah, it it is a little more interesting, certainly, given the outcome on Sunday. You know, you look at the Titans' schedule, they don't traditionally play well out on the West Coast. Um, You know, the Chargers have always had their number out there. Uh, Houston, you've got to win, uh, obviously, at home against uh, Houston. Dallas, it's a pretty good team. Even though it's going to be at home, that's going to be a tough win right there. So, yeah, things uh, things got a whole lot more interesting as far as the division rates go.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at it, they just need to win – what two games they they know they're seven and six now if they win uh, three, effectively three. they need to win two if they win three of the if they win three of the four <clears throat> jacksonville can't catch them right i mean that that's the that's the easiest that's the easiest way to do it right there but uh, as you say the chargers we saw on sunday night are certainly not a pushover if that's the team they end up facing this uh this Sunday at SoFi Stadium the the Cowboys certainly are not a pushover although you you're kind of you're kind of scratching their head after they struggled to beat the Houston Texans on Sunday uh so so you know that uh that, that the Cowboys can be had uh Houston in Nashville on Christmas Eve you have to win that game I mean you absolutely have to win that and then uh and, and then see if see if if Jacksonville can can hold up its end of the bargain and, and make uh make week eighteen exciting. I, I personally have a hard time picturing Jacksonville running the table to that point. Uh they're they're a young team. I think this was a I think this was a big win for them Sunday. It 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 kind of sets up the next couple years much more interesting for them uh, and and gives them some confidence going ahead. But, uh, but this is, this is the first time since week three, effectively. I mean, that Jacksonville started the season two and one, and they were, they were actually in first place alone in the division at that point, and, and then couldn't win a game for a while. Young teams like this have to learn how to, how to deal with success and, uh, um, you know, I, I it, it seems like to me you're asking an awful lot of that bunch, even as well as they played Sunday to to string together a bunch of wins, and so I I, I don't I, I don't think Titans fans should be feeling a lot of panic in terms of the division. Now, in terms of what this team can do in the playoffs, um, it, it's looking it's looking more and more bleak. I think by the week, but uh, Donato, I want to ask you this: John brought this up. Titans typically don't play well on the west coast it's it's two time zones difference it's not a huge it doesn't seem like it's a huge thing for a player and for your routine and for your body clock and those sorts of things is that a big difference that and something that has to be overcome when you make those trips
3: no it's it's a part of the process and what you do let's say when I played what we would do, let's say we played in Seattle or we played in San Francisco, you leave Friday night so you can get acclimated to the time zone. So when you leave Friday, say Friday evening, you get there Friday night, you get a chance to kind of rest, You get up Saturday, you go through kind of a pregame ritual, uh, do your walkthrough at the team stadium or you find a high school stadium uh, to do your work. So by Sunday, your body is is ready to go. So there's no excuse. Unfortunately, one time, uh, we did leave for Seattle from Tennessee on a Saturday and a lot of the guys were jet lagged and it showed because we got beat. So Coach Fisher, anytime we would go to the West Coast, We leave Friday afternoon after a walkthrough. So when we got there, we can go have dinner. Um, We can get acclimated to the time zone. So Sunday comes, we're ready to roll. And that's what most teams do. I know the teams that i played on, anytime you had to travel to another uh, time zone, you will leave a day earlier just so you can get acclimated to the system. So there shouldn't be no excuse when they go to L.A., uh, and they play this team Sunday against the Chargers. They shouldn't complain about being tied or jet lag. That shouldn't be an issue.
2: And the Chargers are potentially a playoff team in their own right. Does does that become Dinard a big issue at at this time of the year? Are you are you sizing up opponents that way, thinking, "Hey, this is a team we could see in January. Let's let send a message right now."
3: Every game. Um, On your schedule right now is a playoff game. That's the way you got to look at it. The most important game that this team is going to play will be the next game. You have to have that mentality in this league. You cannot take any team lightly we saw that Sunday I'm pretty sure everybody looked at Jacksonville and saw that four and eight record and just assumed this team they haven't won in Nashville since 2013 they have all these young players and not to mention they got blown out by Detroit say congratulations to defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn great job in holding that Jags team to 14 points but again there's no disparity in this league Every game counts, David. I know as a player's perspective, I'm just giving it to you right now. They have four games. They have to take one game at a time and they have to treat each game, regardless if it's an out of conference or it's a divisional game as a playoff game.
2: John, John, you know, we, we, you, you broke it down here. Titans are still very likely to win this division, but, uh, but what does what does Jacksonville coming in here winning, snapping, you know, snapping that eight game losing streak at Nissan Stadium? You know, Trevor Lawrence coming along clearly a better quarterback than he was last year. Um how much you know, is is this is this the team that is is looming now as the biggest threat? Maybe not this season. I guess it is this season, certainly, but but next season beyond this is this the biggest threat to this run of success the Titans have had in the division now?
4: I think it is right now and and um you know maybe it's also a bit of a process of elimination too you know the, uh, the the Colts uh are are pretty much in chaos at quarterback we all know that we don't know who their starter is it's rotated and rotated you know look you look at Houston they they had a, a, a unusual quarterback game plan against Dallas they rotated two quarterbacks in throughout the entire game Uh, Jeff Driscoll and and Davis Mills and it worked pretty well but that that's not going to work long term I don't think so you know both those teams have have serious deficiencies at quarterback that you know there's no clear way out but you look at Jacksonville and you look what Trevor Lawrence has started to do this year with Doug Peterson instead of Urban Meyer and he is starting, you know, I, I don't think he has arrived yet, but he is starting to look much better, uh, much more like the, the quarterback that was, you know, the a top pick uh coming out of, of college a couple of years ago. Um, you know, and and we all kind of made fun of Jacksonville during the off season. You know, they, they signed uh or they, you know, they dropped an incredible amount of money into the free agent market, you know, for, for guys who were not necessarily stars. On the other hand, though, they did get better by, by doing that. Even if they overpaid, they still had a better roster than they did before. And you look at offensively, at, at you know, the guys that they rolled out uh, there yesterday, you know, we're talking about Trevor Lawrence, at quarterback, Travis Etienne, at running back, uh, you know, Christian Kirk, who they paid a ton of money for, but is producing really well. He's got, you know, uh, almost 900 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, you look at Zay Jones, who had a touchdown catch there. He's got 68 catches this year. We all saw what Evan Ingram, a tight end, did to the um, did to the Titans. So I, I think there's some talent here. You know, again, you look at look at defense too. Trayvon Walker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Josh Allen, uh, Arden Key, uh, Caleb on chase home, uh is there, and then they've got some some big tacklers at linebacker too. So also. Um, you know, yes, they were blown out by the Lions, but you know, six of their eight losses this year have been one-score losses. Uh, they have beaten the Ravens, they beat the Titans, they beat the Chargers. So I think this is an up-and-coming team, and I do think that they kind of serve notice just a little bit that it's not going to be like old times much uh, anymore in the in that Titans-Jaguars
2: rivalry. Um, yeah, the the thing with the uh, the thing with Evan Ingram on Sundays is kind of interesting to me too, in terms of this, this Titans defense, which suddenly doesn't look as uh, as intimidating as it has most of the season, giving up 35 points to the Eagles and then uh, 36 to the Jaguars. Evan Ingram with 11 catches for 162 yards and two touchdowns in that game uh, on a day when the defense did a pretty good job against Christian Kirk, who had came into the game as Jacksonville's leading wide receiver. And it, and it sort of... Put me in, in mind of the the Raiders game, for example, when Devontae Adams wasn't uh, wasn't a, a killer, but but Mac Hollins put up big numbers that day, and it and it it seems to be that this happens more and more with this team that the the Titans seem to be maybe Denard, am I right? Maybe the Titans are one guy short in the secondary. Mm-hmm. However, this works out that that they can they can they can minimize the best threat for the opposing team most times but they 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 just can't they just can't cover everybody right now is, is that what you're seeing well that's
3: what it means when you're when your number is called uh unfortunately sunday number 17 number was called about 90 percent of the plays <laughs> for jacksonville and he delivered uh evan ingram i uh, And and this was the Giants' number one pick, 23rd overall out of Ole Miss. He was a consensus All-American. This guy is a stud. Unfortunately, what derailed his career when he was in New York was injuries. So now he's healthy in Jacksonville, and you see that production. They didn't have they. I don't know what the Titans were thinking. It's almost like they forgot that number 17 was playing Sunday because he was all over the field. And Andrew Adams, I just want to say – Uh, the play where Andrew Adams was draped all over Evan Ingram and he just outstretched him and went and got the ball. That was how the day was for uh, Evan Ingram. He was in the zone. They could not cover him. You saw the crossing routes. That's probably one of the reasons they ended up uh, releasing Joe Schobert was the fact that, I mean, they was just killing him. I mean, and they were hurting Tennessee on those crossing routes all day long. And you saw number 17, a big part of that. So again, If you look at Jacksonville's offense as far as running the ball, Travis Etienne was a non-factor. He only had 32 yards rushing, but in the passing game – he just didn't have an answer for Evan Ingram, and that was the difference in this game. Was the offensive line for Jacksonville being able to protect Trevor? And then when, when when he had time, you you can see not only how poised he was, but you can see that athleticism, and you can see why he was the number one draft pick. Uh, Two got a couple of years ago. I mean, they just outplayed uh, Tennessee on the defensive side of the ball.
2: And, and and to be fair, I mean, this wasn't Evan Ingram just taking advantage of one guy in the secondary. Uh, Five or six guys were matched up with him at at various times during the game. Kevin Byard actually had the best success against him, broke up a couple of passes. But, you know, Kevin Byard is such a guy – he's so valuable to that defense that you can't just say to him, okay, you go cover that guy and, and every, you know, we'll, we'll do the, you know, you know we'll we'll do the rest with everybody else. So, uh, you know, Amani Hooker had a tough time with him. Uh, it, it, I mean, ev- everybody, everybody outside of Byard, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, John Glenn, and you wrote about this too, that, uh, uh, Kevin Byard's the only guy who broke up a pass intended yeah. for everything, right?
4: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think the targets were, uh, there were seven targets for Ingram with uh, with Byard covering and he only caught three of those passes. Uh the rest of the like four or five guys that were targeted when when covering Ingram. I think Ingram was 8 for 8 uh in catching passes in those. So uh tough day. Yeah, they they clearly couldn't couldn't handle him and you mentioned, you know, maybe are they one guy short? Well, they they're definitely at least one guy short and and that's Christian Fulton. Uh you know, who who missed that game uh with a hamstring injury. We don't know uh when he'll be back and and it, you know, you hate to to beat a horse to death like we have, you know, for, for weeks uh, on this, on the podcast, but, you know, uh, Caleb Barley uh, situation as well. And, you know, he's out uh, with, with injury, but even when he was in, you know, he's the kind of guy, even though he's a cornerback, he had the kind of size, you know, that that might be able to match up with, with a tight end from time to time. Um, But even when he was healthy, you know, that, that kind of thing wasn't happening.
2: And Elijah Molden, your your preferred slot guy, who, who's another guy who can match up with folks like that, went back on injured reserve for the second time. Uh, Shane Bowen talked about him on Thursday and – Without using the exact words, basically said, yeah, he's done for the year. Um, and and you also didn't have Trey Avery in that game. Who De, De, our man Denard here was singing Trey Avery's praises in, yeah. on this podcast last week, and and uh, you know he would have been the guy stepping in for Fulton, and and he wasn't available either because of an injury.
3: And you know what else is interesting, David and John? Really, uh, what really hurt this team? was the fact that there was no David Long Jr. You go back to the Washington game, what David, he's so excellent in the passing game. He's great at covering those lanes. And what happened to Tennessee is that Joe Schobert, if you look at this game, what Jacksonville was doing the whole game was just running those crossers right behind him. We've seen David make a lot of plays in the passing game on those crossing routes. So when you talk about uh, not having David Long Jr. in the lineup, that really, Really was a difference on the defense and why they were not able to make the plays uh, Sunday and that's one of the reasons I, I truly believe uh, Jacksonville won is that there was no David Long Jr. and they exposed that middle of the field
2: yeah, that that uh, that David Long interception at the end of the Washington game that preserved that win. Right, right now that ranks as one of the plays of the year for the Titans. When you uh, when you look at Was- what Washington has done since that game and the the position that team is in now, suddenly a a, a playoff team in the uh, in the NFC. The the other question we have to ask John Glennon is uh, where have the takeaways gone? The the Titans, yeah. you know, they, not a good day for the offense against Jacksonville. Certainly, with a with a with four turnovers, but the defense didn't come up with any, and and that is that you know that is becoming a consistent problem here. What's going on?
4: It was definitely trending in the wrong direction there. Yeah, like you said, you you, you watch that game, and the first thing, the obvious storyline is okay, the Titans turned the ball over four times, and that 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 is clearly the single biggest reason that they that they lost the game, no doubt about it, but. Turnovers are allowed to to go both ways as well, uh, and and the Titans are allowed to intercept passes. They're allowed to knock the ball free, and we have not seen that. That is four straight games, including yesterday, of zero turnovers for the Titans' defense. They haven't had a single interception in the last four games, uh, and they haven't recovered a fumble uh, in the last seven games. Uh, so it's really, really quite a a dry streak. Um, You know, and and I think if you're asking why, you know, one reason why I thought, you know, uh, over the the past four weeks, we've seen, you know, a combined, uh, I think, 11 quarterback hits and only four sacks over in four weeks for the Titans defense. Um, And you go back to the one game before all this started. Remember against Denver, this defense was all over Russell Wilson, six sacks, you know, 18 quarterback hits. Uh, you know, and whether it's just been injury, you know, to to Autry and and Simmons since then, or or you know, whether whether the schemes have not been working, they have not been able to put pressure anywhere near uh, uh, as well as they had for for a long stretch on the quarterback. And when that quarterback has more time, he's not being pressured. He's going to complete more passes. He's going to throw fewer interceptions. When um, you look what Trevor Lawrence did, thirty completions and forty-two attempts, yeah. three hundred and sixty-eight yards and three TDs, he was only hit one time, Love one time, that. zero sacks, one quarterback hit that that entire game. So I think that's a big problem when you look at turnovers, especially when it comes to to interceptions. There's no pressure on the quarterback.
2: Yeah, Mike Vrabel in his Monday press conference, one of one of the funnier, I guess, not although not funny lines he's given in a while he said, "It's been a long time since we've hit anybody hard enough to knock the ball loose." <laughs> I, you know, I think that was a uh, that was a, a, a clear challenge to the defense. I mean, to be fair, Denard, they did get their hands on a couple of passes. Sunday, they they had the they had the chance maybe to come up with a tip here and there. Is is it is it one of those things where when you don't have a turnover for a few games, guys try too hard, or you just feel snake bit? Have I mean, how how do you go about remedying this?
3: Well, listen, you you have to fight through. Um, you have to fight through these times. Great teams will go through what we call struggle. It's just a part of the game. Uh, I've been through it as a player. It's tough, but you just got to fight your way through it. And I don't – listen, you can be the 85 Bears and you can be Jackson – and you can play Jacksonville Sunday, and if you turn the ball over four times, you're not, you're not going to win in this league. There, that, that's what causes – that's what happens. There's a disparity. That's what happens in this league. If it's an even match, if it's an even match team, two teams are going uh, against each other – Again, your odds are favorable. But when you turn the ball over, that creates a disparity in this league. You can't win like that. If you look at the offense and defense, it was like a trickle-down effect. You go back. And you look at that third and sixth in the fourth series where Ryan and Nick and Westbrook Kenny a lot of this was self-inflicted. They were on different pages. And unfortunately, Andrew Wingard, he goes the other way. So when you look at it, just just take a look at it in the second quarter. That's where everything just started going down for this organization, this team. Look at you had a strip sack by Trayvon Walker. Then you look at the interception by Wingard. And then you look at the fumble by Derek. And, and Derek, I know he was trying to get some extra yards. That was 17 points in the first half. What was it, 20 to 14 uh, going into halftime? And then you come out in the second half, your defense. Again, all, all, you look at your defense. Look what they do. Jacksonville scored on the first three possessions. You can't win like that. They scored 16 points in the second half. How many points did the Titans score in the second half? Seven. The score was what? what Was it 36 to 22? Yes. That was easy. They just made plays. They (laughs) just made more plays than Tennessee. it's, It's very simple. They just made more
2: plays. Yeah, you, you talk about the Wingard interception. I think Wingard was still running the other way with guys chasing him, <laughs> and Ryan Tannehill was in, at Nick Westbrook-Akina. You know, like you could see him talking to him, like, "No, you were supposed to be doing this." I mean, it, they, there was clearly a case of uh, two guys not being on the same page there, and uh, it's uh, it, you know, I guess it's I guess that that's bound to happen, and you can say, okay, if it was uh, if it was Chris Conley who who was playing his third game of the season, his first time with Ryan Tannehill as quarterback, you know, you, you, you could maybe accept that a little bit. It, it's a little harder when it's Nick Westbrook-Akina who is who has played his whole career with Ryan Tannehill and his quarterback. As, and and those two have, you know, those two have have hooked up well a few times. And and you know, they, I mean, you can almost say Ryan Tannehill has has helped make Nick Westbrook-Akina's career as an undrafted free agent and whatnot. But uh, but that's uh, yeah, I, that, I, that's I, kind of what's happening with the Titans right now. And and to Denard's point, the kind of things they have to overcome as uh, as we're getting towards the end of this thing though let, let's let's shine a little sunlight on some uh, some things here David, as, David, as, can as can coach I, can i ask, yeah. can I ask
4: denard one one quick question though yeah. i have i have to ask him this question denard uh, on on the jacksonville's touchdown pass to uh, to zay jones ball went uh, uh right through uh, Roger McCreary's hands and I was like <laughs> what if Roger McCurry's arms were just a little longer with that would that don't you that go there anything? don't
3: you go there what are you going to say he has got a little alligator or don't you go there but let me tell you something that you guys are riders I'm a player if you're going to talk about Roger McCurry you need to talk about that play Todd Downing called in the fourth quarter at the beginning uh. What in the world was he thinking was score 33-14 run a trick play? And who did he trick? He ended up tricking themselves because they end up fumbling the ball with that botch snap to Derrick. You better start with that play because it looked like somebody <laughs> was trying to get fired there.
2: Yeah, right. it, it, maybe
4: if Derrick Henry's arms were a little bit longer, maybe he could have <laughs> grabbed that.
2: And th- that's an interesting point too because you wonder – how much of the criticism and there there's been a lot of criticism locally of Todd Downing how much he's hearing of, about the perception that he's predictable and and this and that because we're, we're seeing more of these you know gadget plays trick plays whatever you want to call them keep in mind the Titans opened the game with uh with, with Raven Clark tackle Raven Clark in the game as an extra tight end you know clearly a run heavy look and they they run a flea flicker on the first play of the game and and you know that didn't that didn't work either but uh but they are you know they are doing a few more of these type things right now it it seems like and uh uh, you know when when it doesn't work like on that on that fumble you know the the snap to the bad snap to henry there it it looks it looks really really bad and it does nothing to to put people's minds at ease about uh about todd downing and uh and, and what they think about the job he's doing but uh you know early in the game the run game looked familiar derrick henry 96 rushing yards on 11 carries in the in the first quarter alone and and i don't think anybody would have said with that performance that uh that all the titans are relying too much on the run game there chiga Konkwo, the rookie tight end continues to uh continues to impress although uh Mike Fravel in his money press conference threw a little bit of a, a wet blanket on that by saying yeah the numbers look good but there's a lot of detail things that still need to uh still need to be a lot better there um you know Austin Hooper the veteran tight end continues to look like the guy we expected uh, we we expected to see coming out of training camp and and we didn't see for the first what 6 or 7 weeks of this season. So uh uh there there is a little more balance in this offense when it's uh when it's going well, but uh uh Denard Chigakonkwo's ability to fight for extra yards when he's got two or three guys hanging all over him. I mean, this, this is one of those things that hasn't happened once or twice. It it happens almost every time he gets his hands on the ball right now. How how rare a uh, how rare a talent is that? How inspirational is that for the other guys on the offense and, and maybe even the defense?
3: Well, I just love it when he scored that touchdown, the fact that he hurdled about three of the Jacks' defender, uh, his ability to get in the soft spot of the zone – And I tell you what, Chig, right now, David, is it okay to say AFC Rookie of the Year? Am I putting too much pressure on the young man? Because he is, I mean, he is a, it just seems like every time he's on the field, he's making plays. He just seems to make plays. And it's like he just gets it. You know, sometimes for rookies. It takes time, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because there's so much terminology that young players are trying to learn and they're trying to get used to. But Chig, he's just a special player. I love to watch him play. It just seems like each week they're implementing him more and more in the game plan, and he's just getting better. I mean, he's playing like a veteran, and I just love watching him. But that touchdown pass, just to find the soft spot in the zone, And not in the presence to try to jump over the defenders. That was awesome to see. So again, Tig, man, is it okay? I'm going to say it right now. That's my pick for AFC rookie of the year. (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay, I you know, it's funny. I asked I asked him on Monday about that touchdown catch too. I said, "Does it hurt any less when you land that way in the end zone as opposed to any other part of the field?" And he kind of laughed. He said, "I got to be honest." He said, "I felt like I bounced right back up after that." He yeah. said it really didn't really didn't hurt that much. Um John, we mentioned Derrick Henry's rushing stats. We won't talk about the second half, but there was a uh we saw the big gain finally too in the uh, in the in the first half a 50 yard run. Are, are we are we getting Derek or December Derek back? Is uh, it, you know is is was this performance reason for hope that uh, his little slide here is over?
4: It's certainly a you know big step in the right direction. Um, you know, like you mentioned, the 50 yard run. He hadn't had a single run of over 10 yards in four weeks. Uh, you know, hard hard to believe. Uh, um, But some of the things, you know, he was forcing some missed tackles, you know, which we had not not seen in a while. Uh, It was just a shame, um, you know, that the way the game played out, they couldn't continue the ground and pound with Derrick Henry. Uh, You know, they're only down six at halftime, but the Jags take the ball the second half kickoff. Not only do they score a touchdown, but they took half the quarter away with that drive. So all of a sudden you're down two score two touchdowns and you've only got half the third quarter at, at that point. Uh, and then I think, if I recall correctly, on the Titans' first drive, I think they had a penalty which backed them up, and then all of a sudden you couldn't run Derrick Henry there. For you know it, you're down three scores, and and you know they couldn't use Derrick Henry to to run anymore. So it's a shame uh, that that was the case. But certainly we'll have to see a little bit more than uh, than than just one game. Um, but I know it has to uh, to help the frustration level of of Derrick Henry. Um, You know, and and probably serves as a confidence boost for this offensive line too. We saw another one of those plays that that the offensive line can rally around when they watch on tape when the entire line basically gets behind Henry and fires him forward for another five or ten yards. You know, they're they're all loving that. So we'll see if that momentum uh, carries through, uh, you know, this week against uh, the Chargers.
2: And we will see what the, uh, what the Titans can do with the Chargers who, as we said, looked really good on Sunday night against, uh, against Miami, but, uh, the, the sky is not falling. Yes, it, it, it's, it's cloudy. I think we can conclude, or it's clouding up a little bit, but, uh, but certainly all is not lost with a, uh, with a three game losing streak here this season, um, Uh, we will, uh, we will be back again next week to take stock of, of whatever happens with the Titans, with the Jaguars and, uh, anybody else that needs our attention until then, John Glennon. Thank you. Thank you. Denard Walker. Thank you. Thank you. No more trick plays. (laughs) And I am David (laughs) Beauclair. We thank all of you for, uh, for downloading, for listening and for telling your friends. This is the Believe in Titans podcast brought to you by Online.